Good morning, everyone. It's, uh, it's lovely to see you this morning. And uh, we're going to continue our journey through the book of Acts. So we're in Acts chapter 3 um, this morning. We're going to look at verse 11 and then just and so into Acts chapter 4. So, so last week uh, with Christy, you, you were looking at Acts chapter 3 and the first 10 verses. And we're going to pick up where you, you dropped off. Uh, last week, drop. <laughs> hope you didn't. Hope you didn't drop off last week. That's not what I mean. Uh, where you finished uh, last week is where we're going to start uh, and uh, and see some exciting things. Just to kind of help uh, ease us in to what we're going to uh, to look at, uh, just a, a really short story or illustration, really, uh, to help us get going. During uh, during my time at Capenry, one of the things that I was responsible for was uh, was the social program, which looking back is is quite amusing, really. That uh, that that I would be responsible for people having fun is is, is laughable. I have no discernible sense of humour, and uh, and 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 certainly have a real aversion to to people having a good time, but. But nevertheless, that was one of my responsibilities to look after the the social events on the on the on the Friday night and the Saturday night, the trips and things like that. Uh, something that I, I did really enjoy. And I remember one year it was uh, over over the weekend of uh, the fifth of November. Uh, creatively, we decided we'd have a bonfire, and uh, and so in the uh, in the grounds at Cape Ray, there's a lovely lake, and then there's a, like a bonfire pit next to it. And, uh, and Ray was very gracious in, in building us a bonfire there. And, uh, and we'd have this, this bonfire. A couple of things to, to, to recognize. Uh, first of all, the, uh, a good number of students uh, weren't born and brought up in the UK. So uh, wouldn't have sort of the same cultural uh, awareness of things from, from Britain as, as what we would if we were brought up here. Uh, and, and then secondly, because it's November, it, it uh, gets dark quite soon. So we meet at the front door of Cape Ray. We're going to walk down together through the grounds, and it's pitch pitch black. It's a, it's a beautiful, clear evening, and we're going to walk through towards this bonfire that's uh, that's sort of by the lake in the distance. And as we're as we're walking uh, down through the grounds, we can see all around. There's there's loads of people setting off fireworks. And because it's the 5th of November, it actually fell on that Saturday. And so like the farms across the valley, there's like these little fireworks going up into the air and you can hear them. And then looking off into the distance, and I don't know which display it would be, but it was a relatively big one, whether, it, whether we could see Lancaster from there or not, or Canforth one, I don't know. But there was lots and lots of big, big fireworks going out. And so you couldn't miss them. They were sort of spectacular. You can hear them, you can see them, they're lighting up the sky. And so obviously the questions that were being asked as we walked along the, along the path was, what's going on? How come on the same night everybody has decided to set fireworks off and have bonfires? You know, this can't be just a coincidence. You can see something spectacular is happening, but what does it mean? What, what's going on? What's it all about? Well, that's where we're at in Acts chapter 3. We've seen something amazing happen, something spectacular. A, a man who was has been lame all his life and he's been healed. He can walk. You know, Peter and John go to pray. They met a lame man on the way. Don't worry. Don't worry. I'm not going to sing the, the, the song. Um, but this man is walking and leaping and praising God. He, he's, 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 his life has been transformed. 
And so, of course, people are asking, they've seen something spectacular, what's going on? What does it mean? And, and, and what's remarkable is that the explanation that comes, which is what we're going to look at in the next few minutes, the explanation that comes is going to change so many more lives than just the healing that we saw last week. Let's, let's read it. I'll, I'll read it for us. Acts chapter 3. I'm going to start reading at verse 11. And I'm just going to sneak into Acts chapter 4. If you'd like to follow it, we're starting at verse 11. While the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead and we are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. Now, fellow Israelites, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders. But this is how God fulfilled what he'd foretold through all the prophets, saying that the Messiah would suffer. Repent then and turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped out, and that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that he may send the Messiah, who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. Heaven must receive him until the time comes for God to restore everything, as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. Moses said, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. You must listen to everything he tells you. Anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from their people. Indeed, beginning with Samuel, all the prophets who've spoken have foretold these days. And you are heirs of the prophets and of the covenant God made with your fathers. He said to Abraham, through your offspring, all peoples on earth will be blessed. When God raised up his servant, he sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. The priests And the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John and because it was evening, they put them in prison until the next day. But many who heard the message believed. So the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. Okay, let's, let's stop there. Let's just kind of make sure we get the, the 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 big picture of what's going on, and then we'll 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 have a look at some some detail in a moment or two. But the the big idea here, the the big picture here is that people have seen this incredible healing. Miraculously, this lame man is now walking and and jumping and holding on to them. They've seen something incredible, and they've rushed over to asking what's going on. What is this all about? 
And Peter responds. And he responds and he just, he tells them all about Jesus. In this kind of short response, it's about 15 verses or, or sermon, he just preaches Christ. He tells them about Jesus. It's all about who Jesus is. It's all about what Jesus has done. And then how are they going to respond to that? And, 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 and the response is sort of twofold. Acts, three, Acts 4 verse 3. They seized Peter and John and because it was evening they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed. So the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. So from, from, from that message, there's two responses. Persecution begins, and we'll pick up that story next week. Or people respond. And, and the number grows to about 5,000. Well, in Acts chapter 2, we were at 3,000. And, and then we saw a couple of weeks ago, the Lord was adding to their number daily, those who were being saved. And now we're at 5,000. So it, it, it's probable maybe hundreds of people here respond to this message. Maybe maybe hundreds. So we've seen an incredible miracle. But as people begin to understand what's going on and why and who is behind it, hundreds of people respond to it. So let's not, let's not miss this. Our, our attention is caught by something incredible, a miraculous healing. But what follows is perhaps an even bigger miracle as hundreds of people have their lives turned around, the trajectory of their lives changed, their eternities altered. And just just before we get into point number one, <laughs> it's all right, there only is one point today. I know what you're thinking. We've heard you speak before, Ian. Sometimes there are no points. Just one today. But before, before I get into it, let's just not miss what, what that big picture is telling us. A, a, a big impact happens because Peter and John notice one person. They're on the way to the temple. They notice a lame man on the way. And, and the ripple effect is, is huge, but it starts with one. And often we want to have the huge. But God can work in any way he chooses. But sometimes it just starts with one. It just starts with one. Samuel Chadwick was a, was a Methodist uh, preacher. He was a, I think he was perhaps um, principal of Cliff College at one point. Um, and, and, and he talked about when he would go on mission, he would pray for a Lazarus. Uh, and what, what he kind of meant by that was, he said the, the best uh, illustration of what the gospel is, the message about Jesus, is in a transformed life. And he said when, when, when Lazarus, when people knew Lazarus, they knew his story, they were in and around when he died and when he met Jesus and he came back to life, said other people were very interested in hearing about Jesus because they saw transformation in him. And so as he went on mission, he'd pray for a Lazarus. In other words, as he went somewhere, he'd pray that somebody who was maybe very cynical or, 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 or whose lifestyle seemed a million miles away from the gospel or somebody who was, who was quite hardened, that if somebody responded, then the evidence of a changed life would create a lot of interest and, and, and is almost the, the, the testimony of the power and, and uh, grace of the Lord Jesus. So if we have a, maybe we have a Lazarus in our life. You know, let's keep praying for, for, for them. We don't know what the, the difference in one life, what the difference that can make in lots of lives 
as it spreads out. Okay, shall we start with point number one? (laughs) This really is all about Jesus. This message that that uh, Peter speaks, this explanation or this, this sermon is all about Jesus. He preaches Christ. And I just want to notice three sub-points. <laughs> oh, dear. Well, I just want to notice three sub-points about what it was to preach Christ. They're all fairly simple and short. First of all, he preaches Jesus as the fulfillment of the Old Testament preaches Jesus as the fulfillment of the Old Testament. In just 15 verses, it's crammed full of references to the Old Testament. It's just bristling with, with, with how Jesus fulfills all that's gone on before. Jesus isn't just somebody who's appeared out of nowhere claiming to be something, but he's the one who's been foretold from ages past. He's the one who's been promised. He's the one we were expecting. We know he's the Messiah because of he fulfilled all that's happened and been spoken about him in the Old Testament. Let's notice where it's from and, and then think about why that might be important. Verse 12, when Peter saw this, he said to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare as if it's at us as if by our own power or godliness he made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. This this, this incredible thing that you've just seen happen. It's the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob who's at work here. Verse 17. Now, fellow Israelites, I know that you acted in ignorance as did your leaders. But this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that his Messiah would suffer. His Messiah, this Messiah is an Old Testament idea. Somebody is coming, the anointed one, the perfect prophet, the perfect priest, the perfect king. The rescuer is coming and he'll suffer as we'll see in a moment. Verse 22, for Moses said, the Lord will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your people. Jesus is that one who's been raised up. Verse 24, indeed, beginning with Samuel, All the prophets have spoken, have foretold these days. Verse 25, he said to Abraham, through your offspring, all peoples will be blessed. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, Samuel. It's it's a really clear emphasis that Jesus is the one who's fulfilling what was written in the Old Testament. So, so, So why is that important? If that's such a clear emphasis, why? What's that about? A couple of things perhaps for us to consider. First of all, let's remember who is uh, hearing this message to to begin with, who these first hearers are. They're they're Jewish men, Jewish people. They're on the way to the temple or they're coming out from the temple. They're people who know their scriptures, people who, who know of this promised Messiah. They're the descendants of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. And, and how exciting it must have been for them to hear this message. That the one they've been waiting for is here. That the one that, that they've been looking for to bring salvation has come. That Jesus isn't just somebody who's appeared, but somebody who's been promised. He's here even now. So it, it, it's hugely important for, for them. Even this miracle taking place just outside the temple. It's, it's all hugely significant. 
But it's also important for us today in Carnforth. We're in, 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 a, in a different cultural moment. Uh, we're, we're in a different time, 2,000 years later on. But it's still really important we recognize that Jesus is that promised Messiah. He's the one who's the Old Testament scriptures have been speaking about. It's, it's the Old Testament uh, lets us know who we're looking for and, and how we know that it's him. It's, it's the same God we meet in the Old Testament as in the New. And, and it's important for us to, to recognize as well that Jesus, Jesus fulfills the Old Testament as he's fulfilling the, 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 the promises that were been made. It helps us to recognize something important because sometimes I, I suspect that as we, as we read through the Old Testament, we, we, can, we can rush to put ourselves into the story, that we need to be brave like Abraham as he left his home to follow God's call, or strong like David as he faced his giants. And, and there's, there's truth in that. We can learn from that. But how wonderful to realize that, that Jesus has fulfilled what the Old Testament said. And that he's come and he's lived his life. He's died that death in our place. He's raised to heaven and comes to live within us by his spirit. So that it's not a work to do. It's a work that's done. And he comes to live that life out through us. It's not a case of you need to be stronger, but you need more of Christ. or, Or we need to depend on him more. It's a Jesus who has filled the Old Testament. Secondly, the Jesus that is presented to us by Peter here is a suffering Jesus as well as a glorified Jesus. He's a suffering Jesus. It, it, it might be a surprise for us that this, this rescuer who's coming to, to save us will do so through suffering. Let's see where we're, we're picking that up from. And then explore it a little bit. Verse 13. The God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed. You disowned him before Pilate, though he decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life. But God raised him from the dead, and we are witnesses of this. Verse 18, but this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that his Messiah would suffer. This promised rescuer, the one promised from ages past, the perfect priest, the perfect prophet, the perfect king, the rescuer of mankind, will suffer. And those who are hearing this are well aware of uh, Isaiah 53. We'll, we'll not read it now, but um, you might want to read it later on, that this, the promised rescuer is going to be a suffering servant. And the suffering that Jesus uh, endured is, is awful, isn't it? Do you catch what we read before? You handed him over. My guess is many of us have read that verse lots of times before. You handed him over. Jesus wasn't tracked down by his enemies, well, in a sense, but he was, he was handed over. He was betrayed. 
you handed him over, handing an, an, an innocent man, a good man, the God man, handed over to be tortured and killed. You handed him over. You disowned him. A horrible word is disowned. Horrible, horrible word. You disowned him. You distance yourself from him. We don't want anything to do with him. Remember the, the crowd who were hearing this for the first time, probably a good number of them in that same crowd chanting, crucify him, crucify him. You disowned him. We don't want anything to do with him. We have nothing to do with him. Get rid of him. Not only was an innocent man condemned, but a guilty man was released. We'd, we'd rather have a Barabbas. We'd rather have a, a, a murderer than this man. It's, a, it, it's, a, it's uncomfortable. I wonder what the atmosphere was like as Peter was explaining that to this crowd. You handed him over. You disowned him. You asked that a guilty man go free. Jesus, betrayed by a friend with a kiss, convicted a, 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 a trial filled with lies and falsehood, sentenced to death while being innocent, suffering at the hands of his um, people he had created, struck in the face, spat at, flogged and crucified. It doesn't sound like victory, does it? It doesn't sound like victory. But Jesus wasn't, as we know, an ordinary man. Yes, he was a suffering servant, fully man, but he was also fully God. He was fully God. You disowned the holy and righteous one. What a fantastic title. Look at the, the names of Jesus in these verses. The holy and righteous one. Amazing title that he, he's given. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. <laughs> Can we get our heads around what's happened here? And, and, and we're no better. This is us. This is us. We are the same. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and Noah was made strong. It's Jesus' name and faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can now see. He's not just a good man, but he is God. He comes to bring life and healing and restoration. I love that title, that line, you killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. Incredible, isn't it? Jesus, um, uh, you know, God the Son, as God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, God himself, decide, to, just decide on the idea of life, decide to make the world, decide that we would exist. The author of life or the pioneer of life, it might say in your translation. And he steps, the humility to step into his creation and be killed by those he'd created in order to save them. Truly, truly remarkable. The, the, the power, the humility, the greatness of Jesus. A Jesus who suffered. As we suffer, 
we have a God who knows what it is to suffer. But he's glorified as well, raised from the dead, ascended to the Father. And then as we close, so what's the response to this Jesus? What is this response? Verse 19. We'll look at a different response next week, but verse 19. Peter says, repent then and turn to God so that your sins might be wiped out and that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Repent then and turn to God that your sins might be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Isn't this amazing? Absolutely amazing. Our sins can be wiped out. Our sins can, can, can be gone. Just imagine the people who are hearing this message. Those who were there and around, those who were part of, 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 of chanting, crucify him, crucify him, rejecting, disowning, handing him over. And yet here the offer is, turn to God, repent. Repent is just to turn around. It's not necessarily even about feeling terrible. It's about doing something and turning around. Turn to God that your sins might be wiped out. The slate clean. Sins forgiven. The word wiped out there can mean erase or obliterate or wash off. So, so, so in, in ancient writing, they would, they would write on papyrus. The ink wouldn't have uh, acid in, so it doesn't like bite into the papyrus. So if the, the author wanted to change something, could get like a, a wet sponge and just wipe it off. And it's as if it didn't. Exist. Your sins can be wiped away, can be cleansed. That times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Is that not what we want? Are sins forgiven? Sin, shame, guilt dealt with, cleansed? As if not, you know, wiped away. That times of refreshing may come from the Lord. That word refreshing can mean respite or relief or rest. <laughs> that is what we want, isn't it? Repent then. Turn to God that your sins might be wiped out and that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. This is the good news of Jesus. He's the one who was promised. The one who suffered in our place, but the one who's victorious over sin, hell and death. That if we repent, if we turn to God, our sins are wiped out and times of refreshing come from the Lord. We're going to ask the, the, the band if they'll come to their place on the stage. Um, but before we, before we sing, I'd just like us to have a, a moment or two's quiet and then I'm going to pray. The, these moments of, of, of quiet, of reflection, um, don't just happen naturally in life. Things get busy and full. But has there been anything... Anything this morning that, that God in his grace has just been putting his hand on in our lives? Is there, is there something, perhaps we know the Lord and, and there's something though that, that, that a mark that we want wiped clean, a sin that we, we want forgiven, something that's plaguing us, something that taunts us. Repent then. Turn to God and your sins may be wiped out.
because Jesus has done it. The price has been paid. Our role is to turn to him. That our sin might be wiped out. That times of refreshing might come from the Lord. Rest. Relief. Respite. Refreshment. Or maybe, maybe you've never turned to God in the past, but are wondering about doing it in the present. The offer is open. Turn to God in the quietness of your heart. Thank him for, for who he is and what he's done, that your sins might be wiped out and times of refreshing come from the Lord. Heavenly Father, Lord, we are in awe at this incredible good news that though our sin is like scarlet, it can be as white as snow. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your power. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your hope. Thank you for your refreshing. May we experience it more and more in Jesus' name. Amen.